scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Hi, Creepsters. I'm Barry Marino. I'm Philip Landry. And welcome to a new episode of Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. And you know, I had to, we had a little problem with the, with the transfer to Captivate, and some of our episodes got lost. But what I'm doing is, is every week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repost them as a classic. And I started this week with the Zach and Addy episode. Oh, we also want to apologize to anyone that may have recently listened to the Willard episode. Yes. I real, found that one, out, discovered that there was a problem and I'll let Barry know about it. So it is now corrected. Yes, it is. So if you want to listen to it and hear the correct episode instead of an earlier one you heard already... Go ahead, it's been corrected. But what we're going to do with some of those really early episodes, uh, we also have Christopher Watts got lost. We're going to be reposting that one, too, because I still have the files. So he's going to put it kind of like as a classic open show. Yeah, we're going to do a classic every week along with a new one, which means we'll be dropping two episodes a week. Yes. So, uh, yeah, and um, what else is going on? What's going on in your life? Still moving, huh? You're still moving, but we all have some big news about one of our friends. Oh, yes, that's Would right. Would you like to tell the... Yes, we, we want to congratulate um, Rebecca and Daniel Barton. That's their last name, Barton, right? Barton, yes. For welcoming into the world Colin Barton. His full name is Colin Gray Albert Barton, yes. And he was six pounds, nine ounces... And he is a little charmer, let me tell you. Yes, and his sign is officially, he's a Gemini, born in the year of the tiger this year, the water tiger. And uh, he also, I've already looked, there's more I'd have to actually check for her, but he's got Dragon Rising as well. Dragon Rising? the time in which he was born, yeah. Oh, wow, So he's got a lot of powerful stuff going on with this, this little one. Oh, and if you see him, he is so adorable. He's just, and, and she looks like she's just going to be super mom. She, oh, she... Oh, you, that, well, we already knew that with how she was with animals. That's yeah. She, she, yeah. She, 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 you, she looks at her baby and you can see she loves him. Yes. So, we just want to definitely, once again, congratulate them and we are hoping and wishing all the best for the Yeah, family congratulations, and Rebecca and Daniel. Welcome to the world. Welcome to the <laughs> world. And um, speaking of welcomes, we actually have somebody here with us right now, but he's not saying anything. We have Lance with us tonight. And he's going to be playing a video game on another computer as we So if you record. hear a voice like chime in because they want to disagree or they want to say something or they want to add an inflection of some oh, sort. Oh, you hear him say something like, oh, God, this is so lame. Then you know he's playing this game. Oh, you hear him laugh like you heard him. He was just chuckling just a minute ago. <laughs> that is Lance. That's Lance. Y'all have not. Y'all heard us talk about Lance, but none of y'all have met him. We may even um, let him uh, say a few words, say hey or something, you know. Definitely during the yeah. weekly horoscopes, for yeah. sure. Definitely. Don't say, you could say something other than um. <laughs> Lance, sometimes you'll, you'll ask him something, and he don't, understand, he don't know how to answer quite yet, and you'll go, um. <laughs> yeah. 
So where are we at? What are we so doing? So let's talk now? about what we've been watching. We went to the movies this past week. Yes, and we saw. Week, and what did we see? We saw Jurassic World, World Dominion. Dominion. Jurassic do, do, World do. Dominion. I thought it was going to be domination because I thought the dinosaurs were going to take over, and they kind of did, but they call it Dominion. Dominion, so yeah. So you were disappointed, Lance? No, you can speak no. a little bit louder, Lance. So you really can, wanted him to tear hear. some shit up? Maybe. I thought they were going to take over the world. Uh, they kind of did. Well, no, they took over their little part of the world. Oh, wait, we're giving spoilers. Stop. <laughs> okay. it was. I, I, I thought it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it. But I have a trivia question, and we're not, I'm not going to tell you the answer until the beginning of the second part. Okay, the movie starred um, Laura Dern and Bryce Dallas Howard. Now, what else besides Jurassic Park do Laura Dern and Bryce Dallas Howard have in common? There are two things. We're going to give you all till the, till the second part of the episode to think That's about. That's a really it. good trivia question. It is a good trivia question, and the answer is really... I mean, you already know the answer because I told you. So without giving spoilers, though, going back to the movie, how did you enjoy the movie? I enjoyed it immensely. I thought it was really good. Did you you enjoyed it too, huh? Not yeah. giving any spoilers. I just want to say my reaction at points. I needed some of the action to just stop so I could catch my goddamn breath. Yeah. Like, my heart rate was up. There's one series of scenes where I felt like my heart rate would never come the hell down. I could never get a goddamn breath in. Oh, yeah. We wanted to mention one little thing about Lance before we go on. You know our logo, that creepy thing in the window? Oh, yeah. That's Lance. That's Lance. He did that to a picture of himself. Lance designed our logo. See, he's a very, very talented artist, and he designed it from a picture of himself. And if we ever get any merch out, he's the artist for the merch. Yeah, well, we actually, we do want to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, we do. We, well, more than a t-shirt, I want a damn tote bag in black. Yeah, we're going to get some merch out because we... Tote um, bags for me, okay. We're going we're gonna to redo our Patreon account, too. But can you imagine our logo on a tote bag, a black tote bag? I want to get a character of you saying, that bitch. Well, you know. I think that would be funny. It would be funny. A character, actually, just a character of the two of us, and like, a character of me sitting going, down Ooh. with like a mic and a laptop, having like a like a like character. Oh, that would be really cute. Yeah, I like and that. And then have me, you know, <laughs> that would be great. That would that be what I wear that to work. That would be great. Yeah, it would be some good publicity. I wear it to work. So, what, so let's talk about something not not as great as we had hoped at all. Yeah, let's talk about Queerest Folk, the new one. Oh, yeah. I am a little bit disappointed. And it's set in New Orleans, too. I have watched the whole thing, I'll be honest. I gave it all the respect. Well, well, I'm, like, I'm on, like, episode five. All right, I want to touch on a few things I think's wrong with it. First of all, it's it's misrepresenting the city of New Orleans, for one thing. Yep. It's showing us as looking like some kind of Disney world. And that's mm-hmm. not true. That is, They should show New Orleans for the gritty city that it is. That's much more interesting. I also have a problem with their lack of respect for the older. They, they don't have an, any. They don't have an older gay character, and they only ever show them as there, like in the background. Like I have, there's a couple of shots where there's older people there. Yeah, and they always like, wow. present the older people, and they and, and you know it's funny because it doesn't like that anymore. My first question is, where are the bears? Where's the overweight? It's man? all twinks, 
It's all and and you know and chubs. No chubs, uh, you know, no chasers. All that is part of the gay community. And God damn it, there's no drag bar in Frenchman Street. They what? Let me guess. They only show the, the Twinkie Boys, right? That's well, the Twinkie Boys mostly, yeah. And and their their behavior is so over the top. Like there's one scene where the Brody, the main character, he's um. He's at the window of his lesbian friends, and he puts his back and shakes his butt, and it's just, that's just so stereotypical. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, I have a problem. Uh, the characters are very narcissistic. You know, they have no uh, like no, no, no kind of empathy for each other. And what's up with that pregnant belly with the belly button almost at her tits? What's up with that? Did you? Uh. Did you notice that? We didn't have to give this many spoilers, but it was really that tragic, okay? It is tragic. And, oh, shame on you, Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall, right? And we shame love you. Shame on you, Kim Cattrall. I am not pleased with you right now. You wouldn't uh, revive Samantha, and you're having this really weird-ass feud with Sarah Jessica Parker. But you did this terrible role? This ditzy Garden District woman? Kim, and you're not even doing it well. Let's face it. She's going to be might be pissed at me if she hears this, but... I would give a credit. I have watched all the way through the later episodes. Her character is more developed. I just don't understand... I have a lot of questions for the writers. Because having watched it all the way through, I can see there's directing writing issues that really have me... And I do not want to see Leslie Jordan play in some... Uh, well, he hasn't popped up. At all. I don't want to see him playing some some uh, 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 bitchy, ditzy queen trying to hit on the young people. We don't need that either. Don't <laughs> we? Don't want that. Uh, well, uh, um, I'd like to uh, talk about some of the positives about it now because we already touched on the negatives. I am really glad that the lesbian couple has one of them as being transgender. Yes, that was positive. That was a good thing. And one of them being an African-American woman. Yes. I do love the inclusion also of disabled. However, however, there are some disabled people that would say that it was a bit overforced. A little too in your face. It needed to have a little more... It need, the characters, I felt at times, there were moments where they were realized. I felt otherwise, uh, other times it was just the agenda being pushed. Yeah, it's almost like... A lot of people... It's almost like, I mean, I'm disabled now. I don't even appreciate that. It's almost know? like tokenism. Well, I have one of those little placards in my car, too. So, you know. I, um, I felt it was like tokenism. Like, oh, we have to handle, uh, you know... An amputee in a wheelchair. We have to have this. But then he has to be this over-the-top queen. You know? There are people in, in, in the gay community that act like real people. Yeah. And, I, I mean, they dress them like gummy bears. And I, I felt frustrated because I could tell that that actor is a really good actor just by what I could see, but I think he was frustrated with the writing. Well, most of the actors are really good, and Kim Cattrall's a really good actress. And like I but said, they just have in this in the, her later role. part of the season, she does well. Yeah. It, it was, uh, that's why I say I blame the writers. But, Kim, my advice to you, patch up things with Sarah. And get on and just like I'm that. hoping going into the second season, y'all have a great cast. Get y'all shit together because y'all have a great cast. You just need to utilize properly what you have, and that falls on the director and the writer. Yeah. And that, like some the actress that's playing, I, I can't remember her name off of. And if and if you are actually the 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 company Peacock, and you're listening, 
if that if that writer and director don't want to listen, well, maybe consider what you need to really do. Really? Okay, just saying. I'll put that out there. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, talking about another show that's set not too far from here... P-Valley, which is set in the fictional town... I had a lot of trouble getting In the fictional town of Chuckalisa, Mississippi, is out with its second season. Yeah. Uh, I actually like P-Valley. I will say the second season is already getting off to a better start than the first season. I'm a little annoyed a little bit with the overuse of the pandemic stuff, because I think think all of us have pandemic fatigue. Yeah, we do. We do. We're trying to move forward. However, I do love... That I love to see Uncle Clifford back, but I actually enjoy that his mother's character, Miss Ernestine, played by Loretta Devine, oh, well, Larry Devine's has a good little bit everything. more has a little bit more lines and a little bit more role than she had, I think, in the first season. Now so, I want um, I, the problem I have. Uh, well, I want to address your pandemic thing first. You got to understand this thing was filmed probably at the peak of the pandemic. Yeah, you know, probably filmed right uh, during the shutdown. Well, yeah, so that's why they're going to well, be handling that. Picking up, the show is picking up where they're coming out of lockdown. Okay. So, but um, but yeah, I definitely tell you, it, it, you, you get this response when you have to see these shows, and you've already not wearing masks anymore, you're already fully vaccinated, and it just kind of draws you back where you were a few months ago, and it's like, oh. And one of the problems I have with it, no offense to people who do drag or anything, but it, to me it was like RuPaul's Drag Race Scripted. Wait, wait, who are you talking about? P, P Valley, Valley, yeah. Mm, P Valley's a, well, a couple of characters. P Valley's actually about a strip joint. Yeah, I know, but they all act like drag queens. A lot of it's women, though. But they act like drag queens. Oh, you're talking about Uncle Clifford himself. Yeah, and, then, and the women act like drag queens. The strippers. <laughs> well, in Showgirls, they acted like drag queens, didn't they? <laughs> have you been to strip joints? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> Yes, I it's have. It's the fantasy. Oh, when I was a, I, I was taking a stand-up comedy <laughs> class, and we used to go on with our teacher called Road Trips, where he would take the mic, and we would go to a random bar and and offer him a free show. So we offered that in a strip club, which was the stupidest thing. And we're in the dressing room, and these women do not want us there. Their titties are all out and everything, and they're these strange men standing in the dressing room while they're naked now. And one of them got so mad... Where are all these fucking people coming from? And she slammed the door and ran and, and left. And I'm like, oh my God, that's who drag queens try to emulate. And uh, it reminded me, and that, that show reminds me a lot of that. So yeah, I guess they do really act like drag queens in real life. Oh, Okay, so what we got now? What, what oh, we got one now? more show I want to talk about. Which is just, I think it's just been added on um, Netflix. It's called God's Favorite Idiot. Okay? God's Favorite Idiot. And the two main uh, actors in there are Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone. (coughs) Oh, that sounds like that's good right there. Oh, my God. It is great comedy. It's what you need. It's, I think it's something we all needed. Like, we really need, I don't want to give much away. Um, yeah, don't give any too much away because I want to watch it. I, you know what? I don't even. There's hardly anything I can even say about it without giving something away. Just go watch it. I think I've said enough. Yeah, it's hilarious. Okay. It's a, uh, okay. Well, I definitely want to watch it. Okay. Next, you wanted to make a little announcement about the whose birthday it would have been. 
Oh, yes.、Uh, you know, this month,、uh, June, on June 10th, was the anniversary, the 100th anniversary of Judy Garland's death. All you guys know who Judy Garland is. Welcome back from Mars if you don't. Exactly. <laughs>、uh, Judy Garland is probably the original gay icon, drag diva. Ma- Mars would even have known about Judy Garland. Yes, of course. Because of all the radio signals and television signals and, that go out in the. And.、Um, <laughs> It, she's, she's been a really, in, in, to this day, like I said, it would be her 100th birthday. And she was born in,、um, and she was born in June, and she died in June. And June is Pride Month. Yep. Isn't that, it, it, that's kind of so,、uh, like a weird coincidence there. And she's,、um, one, I, I guess she's so appealing to like, the LGBT community because. She always seemed like such an outsider, even in Hollywood. When she was a Hollywood actress, she didn't have the same kind of glamour, say, like Hedy Lamar and、uh, Lana Turner and Vivian Lee and even Joan Crawford. She was, she, she was kind of awkward. She was still a kid, a little chubby, kind of awkward. But she had this amazing talent that overrode all of that. And they really treated her, the studios treated her terribly. And if you ever listen to some, hear some of the bat, behind the scenes stuff at The Wizard of Oz, it's scarier than any horror film. Oh, God, yeah. And,、uh, Didn't she, they say the set was cursed now? They're trying to say that now. Yeah, well, for one thing,、uh, the costumes were, were almost.、Uh, one, one, the first actor cast as. The Tin Woodman was、uh, Buddy Epson. You know, people who will watch old TV will remember him as Jed Glambit. All those B- BTV people. Oh, I feel sad talking about the costumes. I feel sad. I'm supposed to be going to DC and I found out they're temporarily going to, it won't be back on until maybe December, but they're already te- at the end of this month. They were very soon, they're actually pulling the、uh, ruby slippers to, to re put them in another. This at the Museum of、uh, the National Museum of American History. Oh. Has the actual ruby slippers from the movie. Oh. But I won't get to see them when I go. Oh. Because they're pulling them to re exhibit them in the museum to another part. Yeah. So Buddy Epson wound up with makeup poisoning from. What the hell? From the, the silver, pa- the silver <gasps> paint、oh, that we used. Oh, you can do that, yeah. And do you know. You know how horrible the studios were back then? They wanted him to come back to work, and he had been hospitalized and was in an iron lung, and they were worried about when he was going to come back because、oh、they had a budget to. And Judy Garland, her, her breasts were strapped down. She was 17 years old, and they wanted it to look like she, was, like she was 12. So they strapped down her breasts, and that's why they put her in that little girl dress and everything. And since Judy was short, she actually pulled off looking like a little girl. I'm wondering how they're going to do that with Isabel Furman in the new、uh, Orphan movie. And they wouldn't let, she, because they felt like she had, a, a, you know, she, they thought she had a slow metabolism. So all they would let her eat is broth.、Mm. She, couldn't, she, could, she couldn't, eat, couldn't have anything but broth and water. You know, you starve a, a teenager like that that's in their formative years. And this woman grew up to be a mess. Because of that, and get the pills they gave her, and all this other stuff. They would give her pills to pep her up so she could work, and then she would be so pepped up she couldn't sleep, so they would give her 
Sleeping pills. And she's the whole reason there's standards now on how, for how child actors are treated on Yeah. And they are, uh, and I think one of the reasons why the gay community really relates with her even to this day is because she's an outsider that was treated really badly by mainstream people, yeah. by the establishment. So Judy Garland, happy 100th birth, heavenly 100th birthday. Yes. And rest in peace because your death day is also, it's like 53 years. Yeah. She's dead longer than she was alive. But she lives forever in, 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 you know, in spirit. We, she left us all these movies and all these recordings. All right, so where are we at now? We're talking about resting in peace. You have a couple of old bits for us. Yeah, though. only two today. Only two, but it's yeah. a slow week. Death is taking a vacation. Yeah, death takes a holiday. All right, <laughs> I'm going to start off with this young lady. or Well, she's 65. <laughs> um, fans of, uh, of the TV show Quint Twin Peaks will know this lady. Her name was Julie Cruz. And she was a singer, and she sang her, her big hit song. She had, she was sort of a um, she was a Broadway singer, but her, her her singing style was very new age, kind of Anya, you know Anya. Oh, Anya. Anya. <laughs> yeah. And she was um, uh, her her most famous uh, song was "Falling," which was actually the. Twin Peaks theme song, and she was also on the TV show Twin Peaks as a singer in the Roadhouse. That turned out to be a brothel. And I remember it was kind of weird to see this woman who had this like punk rock sort of look, kind of like a um, almost looked like Nancy Spongeon, but she was singing this soft, sweet, new agey kind of music. So anyway, she was sixty-five and. Uh, a cause of death that's very sad was suicide. Ugh. She was uh, suffering from lupus and depression. And I guess she, 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 she just decided she didn't want to deal with the pain anymore. And she, um, she just went. She, just, she took care of herself. Like, like I always say, do not, do not judge these people. When the pain is, gets that rough sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons I don't normally bring up political things. But this once again proves what I keep talking about. Is this entire yeah. country needs to allow right to die? Yeah, they do. And uh, um, well, she started a Broadway career in the early '80s, and uh, that's when she met composer Angelo Badalatamenti, and they worked on a show together. And it was a country and western musical in the East Village. <laughs> And she was a chorus girl with a big skirt, a big wig, and singing way too loud. It's funny because her singing voice was so soft. So um, she always thought of herself as a belter. She even played Janis Joplin in the music. That's nothing like the angel on Quaaludes vocals of her, her Twin Peaks character. <laughs> Wait. So rest in peace, Julie Cruz. I wasn't a big fan of the TV show Twin Peaks. I gotta, I gotta admit, I thought it was a big old. I, all these people seem to think it's this, you know, clever sort of edgy thing, and I always just found it to be a big old myth. But the best, all right, that bottle of water kind of turned, uh, kind of turned off the recording. <laughs> oh, it turned it off. Yeah, so we Barry, start you're right so back. clumsy, Barry. Oh. You know what? I'm moving this over here. Move that over there. Move that over there, yeah. And, and the phone, too. 
I was saying, what I was saying, getting back to what I was saying, I was never a big fan of Twin Peaks. I always saw it to be pretentious and kind of a big old mess that didn't really make a lot of sense. <clears throat> but they, it has its fans. Did you like Twin Peaks? It was decent. It wasn't like, I'm like, ooh, wow. I mean, why is this man showing this cheese to everybody? And what's with this, this dwarfed little person that can't, that speaks this pig Latin kind of thing. I never got any of that. I am really sorry. Sorry for the Twin Peaks fans, but I never really got it. All right, our next one. Uh, this gentleman is um, a Philip Baker Hall, a great character that dies at the age of 90. He appeared in Boogie Nights, Secret Honor, and Seinfeld. Yep. He was the library policeman on Seinfeld. But his contribution to LGBT entertainment is when he played Charles Bush as... What was Charles Bush's uh, drag character's name? In Die, Mommy, Die. Let's look that up. And um, he played her husband and the father of her crazy-ass... You know, we... I think we ought to review that movie one day. I mean, I know it's not... Um, it's not anything really horror, but uh, he played, yeah, she was uh, Angela Arden Barbara, and Barbara Arden, the twins. And um, and Philip Michael Hall was Saul Sussman, her husband. And um, Jason Priestley was his, uh, was her lover. But Philip, uh, uh, <laughs> Philip Baker Hall played a lot, he always played like um, a lot of grouchy old men, didn't he? You know what I'm talking sort about. Sort of, yeah. Always had that kind of... Yeah. So anyway, Philip Michael Hall. Um, let me see you with some more uh, stuff about him. Phil Baker Hall. I'm Baker sorry. Hall. I might remember Michael Hall. You know, I always notice those things after I listen. I say, God damn it. Why? Uh, he also played Aristotle Onassis in the movie. Jackie Bouvier, Kennedy Onassis. Uh, he played uh, Don Ewitt, the 60 Minutes producer in The Insider, and the CSI director, Stansfield Turner in Argo. He had quite a body of work. He had a ra yeah. Well, he was known for his raspy voice and resigned posture, world-weary eyes with heavy bags, and the thatch of hair that gradually turned white. And he was also in uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley. So uh, he was born September 10, 1931 in Toledo, Ohio, and he was the son of William Alexander Hall, a factory worker, and Bernadine McDonald Hall. And he served in the army as a translator in Germany and attended the University of Toledo. And he was almost 40 when he started his film career in Michelangelo Antolini's Zabriskie Point in 1944 when he did his first television show, a lawyer in a network movie. And, uh, and then even Secret Honor, One Man Nixon film. He played uh, Richard Nixon in the One Man Show. So anyway, uh, rest in peace, Philip Baker Hall. You left us a great body of work. All right. I wonder what time it is right you, now. You know what time it is. It's horoscope <laughs> time. It's horoscope time. It's horoscope time. Philip is so sublime. It's horoscope time. Phil Blantry is the one. 
He makes horoscopes. So okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you never let me finish. I never did. Oh, my <laughs> God. Summer solstice is around the corner, and we have to appease the gods. We so. Ne- oh, that's why we're doing this movie, because of summer that's solstice. That's why we're doing this movie, yeah. and that's why the horoscopes for this week are the Ritual Human Sacrifice Edition. Oh. We're sacrificing all you bitches Ritual out sacrifices? There. You know Thanksgiving's a ritual sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's when you, when you uh, slay an animal and have a feast to commemorate a past event. That's a ritual sacrifice. True. So, <clears throat> as Anya Owen Buffy says, Thanksgiving's a ritual sacrifice with pie. Yeah, well, I got other words for Thanksgiving, but I keep those to myself. <laughs> um, anyhow, we'll start with Aries. How are you going to be sacrificed? Oh, how is Aries going to be sacrificed? Oh, by the whole circle stabbing you with their athames. Oh, my God. You, you, uh, that is so gross. Kind of kind of like a Caesar on the center floor, right? Yeah, like, just like that. Or like um, the scene in uh, Mary Queen of Scots when all those men stabbed that man. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like <laughs> but, you know, a little, maybe a little fire is going on. There's a little more ritual going on. Yeah, there. there was a lot of the background music going on. Like It was like almost this, this fanfare they were playing while this man was getting stabbed up. Well, I think Taurus also has slightly a Roman style sacrifice mm. being done to them. They're gonna, y'all are gonna have you Tauruses out there. Yeah, Taurus. y'all are gonna have your throats slit to spray the blood upon the earth below. Oh, oh! Don't they do that with huh, ear that, to ear? They do that to the bull, don't they? When they, they fu- do that to the bulls, so the cows, that's why you're yeah. doing it to do it to Taurus. Yeah, well, matadors do that. That's the last thing they do to the bull before they, they kill it. Yeah. <laughs> I always wondered why they had to kill the poor bull. Oh, Gemini's next, honey. Gemini. <laughs> oh, that's our rise. That is our rise. Oh. Well, guess what we're going to do to y'all, Gemini? We're, if, in order for y'all to be sacrificed, we're going to cut your heart out while it still beats to feed to the elders and so hence the, oh. gods, the gods will be fed. Yuck! Kalima! This is so Oh, temple. you're going too far this, this time. This is so Temple of Doom! You're really going too far this time. That's, a, that, that's too much. That is way too much. That is so Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Oh, that is too much mustard for the hot dog. That's way you're, too much. You remember that Kalima? Yes, I remember that. I oh, love that. Lord. That grew up in the Oh, 80s. I'm going to have nightmares because of this. Ah, oh. The heart, yeah, still beating. I still remember that. And then Celine Dion can sing, The Heart Will Go On. <laughs> it doesn't go on for very long. But okay. <laughs> not after that. Just long enough so the gods can recognize. Yes. Talk about the gods recognizing. Let's move to Cancer. Oh, that's me. <laughs> Would oh. you like to know how you were going to be sacrificed? Oh, oh why don't you enlighten me? Oh, we're going we're gonna to hoist you high up on a spike high? to be feasted on by the vultures. I'm scared of heights, and you're gonna make me end my life way up on a spike. We're, you're not ending your life. We're ending your life. Oh, you aren't the one sacrificing yourself. Don't don't start taking credit for shit that ain't your credit. Oh, okay. Well, good. I can't take credit for murdering myself. Why would you be murdering yourself? You're being sacrificed. The society in which is around you is sacrificing your ass on the spot. The only, the only, the only the comfort society. I get in that is that you got one too. 
Oh, we all got one. Okay. I guess that would technically be when someone. Well, the next one's going. Curtis. What's going to happen to poor Leo? Curtis? The way you're going to be sacrificed is by being burned in a bonfire so that the ashes can later be scattered to the wind. So we're going to cremate Curtis alive. Pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, man. Kind of like sort of what kind of happens in this movie. Oh. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about the movie. <laughs> a lot of things that happen in the movie. <laughs> what are we talking things. about? A lot of things. A lot things. of things. Uh, two hour and <laughs> 27 minute movie you know <laughs> a lot better happen or else the audience is going to fall asleep Ooh. so Virgo how are we sacrificing y'all we're going to take oh. y'all they're going to take y'all ass and throw you into the volcano even though you're really not a virgin and they try to say they are mm-hmm. or they try to act like they're still an innocent teenager being being um Lecherous people coming after me. I am so my my uh, my virtue, my virtue. Oh no! Plop into the volcano. Into the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> right in that volcano. And Lance sizzle. is enjoying this too because he's got a big old smile <laughs> on his face. That's gonna do one. Plop and sizzle. Spot. Oh, spot. Spot. Uh, spot before There's the sizzle. There's a plop. You got a plop and sizzle. Plop. Spot. Sizzle. Well, I guess there may be a little bit of splat. Yeah. And I would, I would <laughs> yeah, and then there's a sizzle because all the splat stuff is is evaporating. I don't know. I'm talking about a pretty hot volcano. I don't know if there's much. <laughs> there may be splat. It'll be a maybe splat. A yeah, little baby some. splat. Maybe some. Maybe. Moving along. <laughs> we're going real gruesome this week, aren't we? Uh, yeah, like I said, you were going too far this week. How is it too far? It's always fucking horoscopes. I can tell you, this is not some Disneyfied shit here. This is horoscopes. I this am gonna is... have nightmares tonight because of your horoscopes. Good. 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 Oh, gee, thank you a lot. We're moving along to Libra. Oh, we're sacrificing y'all Libras by roping you to a tree in the middle of the woods so the bears and wolves can consume. Oh, oh! Got to give back to nature. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> you are way too much. <sighs> well, All talking right. about me, I mean, I don't. Oh, yeah, here we go. That's that's here with yours. Yeah. I always include myself. Good, Scorpio, and all my fellow Scorpios out there. Y'all are being sacrificed by having all your blood drained to paint the ritual pentagram for the coven to use until the next solstice. Oh, maybe Lance can use your your blood to paint a table I bring home. You have green blood? No. (laughs) I I thought he likes red, too. Yeah, he likes red, too. You don't red. Paint it my my, my DVD case green. (laughs) My least favorite color. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Well, moving along to my partner. Oh, God. Oh. Sagittarius. Sagittarius. What do we have for y'all? What you have? <laughs> I'm waiting for this. Oh, we got a good one. We're sacrificing y'all by strapping you to a cactus in the sweltering heat of the desert for 40 days and nights with no food and water in sight or reach. That'll teach him for throwing that Virgo virgin in a, in a volcano. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll, that'll wow. well. 
Yeah. <laughs> I left the great Philip Landry speechless. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if any of you Sagittarius survived that one. Yeah, see if they survived that one. I gave them an option to survive. It was just like they have no food or water inside or reach. Well, for, they, gonna for forty them. days. I mean, how in the hell are you gonna survive that? We'll see. Yeah, no, maybe they'll have a so-called they'll be dead before you do anything else uh yeah just be careful the deals anybody that does help out the sagittarius be careful any deals you make with the sagittarius. that's right that's right talking about deals with the devil let's move to capricorn capricorn that's oh lance. there you are that's lance. let's see what's gonna happen to your ass. say hi lance hey well lance and all his fellow capricorn people along with him the way y'all are going to be sacrificed is by having yourselves buried alive with the recent dead to appease the underworld. Oh, what do you think of that? You want to appease the underworld with dead people? Nope. Yep. <laughs> you can go meet the Grim Reaper for us. Yeah. Well, I, already, I, I have conversations with the Grim Reaper all the time. So. He's nodding. He didn't say anything. He's excited. Yeah, he, he's smiling. He was like, ooh, buried alive, recent dead, cemetery, Are they fat underworld. Dead? This is all exciting. If they're fat dead, he'll love it. They're going to be festering, that's for sure. Oh, I don't know if he wants some festering. They'll be they'll definitely I don't think pus is part of him. His. You like rotting flesh? Oh, he's, good. He says yes. So when it, Okay, so whenever we have rotting meat, I'll serve it to you. Zombies. Okay. Zombie meat. Okay. <laughs> Moving along to Aquarius. Aquarius. Oh, we've reserved a special kind of sacrifice, human sacrifice for y'all. What? Y'all are going to have nails driven into your flesh until you are covered head to toe to represent the agony and pain of life. Oh, agony and pain of life. Yeah. Well, if if I know of some Aquarius that deserve that. Agony and pain of life. It is what it is. That's what happens when you fuck with the wrong one. Mm-hmm. And right. last, but definitely not least ever, is those, our, our good old friend Pisces. Those poor little fishies. What you gonna do to I them? I love my Pisces. I always got good entertainers. Actually, I think Pisces have one of the most entertaining ones this week. They're being sacrificed. You don't want to know how we're sacrificed, y'all? How? We're going to chain you to a sea cliff to be either battered by the incoming tide or the kraken that has been released. Oh, I think I'll take the tide. <laughs> oh, The kraken man. might be quicker. Yeah, the kraken might be. Yeah, the kraken is <laughs> yeah, quick. And <laughs> All right, since you managed to just, like, offend just about everyone on Earth... I know. That was the point. We're going to take a short <laughs> break. And when we come back, we're going to give, give you the answer to the trivia question, which I'm going to ask it again. What, besides Jura the Jurassic movies, do Laura Dern and Bryce Dallas Howard have in common? Two main things they have in common. And then we're going to be back where we're going to review the movie Midsommar. Yes. Which I watched last night because I saw it at the movies a few years ago, but I watched it last night. I really got more of it this, on the second viewing. So we will return shortly. Okay, Creepsters, we are back. And um, before we uh, review our movie, Midsummer from 2019, I uh, asked a trivia question in the beginning of the episode. 
having to do with the Jurassic movies and two actresses. All right, Philip, do you un- do you know this? What do Laura Dern, besides the Jurassic movies, what do Laura Dern and Bryce Dallas Howard have in common? Okay, I'm going to take a vague guess on one of them, only because I okay. do know that Bry- um, Bryce Dallas Howard, is, her, she comes from, has a previous family, like she's second generation Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood royalty. I guess Laura Dern, I don't know too much about some of the older Hollywood, but I would guess maybe she has somebody. Okay. Is that correct or not? That's correct. The first yeah. one, they both Hollywood royalty, they're both second generation Bryce Taylor Howard, Bryce Dallas Howard, Bryce Taylor Howard. You see, I got, we were talking about William Desmond Taylor, and I got him on my line. Bryce Dallas Howard is the daughter of Ron Howard. Yeah, without a doubt, you can see it. (laughs) And Laura Dern is the daughter of two Hollywood people. Oh, wow. Diane Ladd is her mother. Okay. And Bruce Dern is her father. All right. So they're both second-generation actresses. Now, the second one is a little bit more... I have no clue. Tell the people. All right. Both of them, in their very first films, played blind girls. Laura in Mask and Bryce in The Village. Really? Yes. I do remember I do remember Bryce in The Village. Now. Yeah, she was now blind. Now that you bring it up. Now that you bring it up. And in Mask, Laura Dern was the girl at the camp where Rocky goes and he, he falls in love with her. And she doesn't ah, see... She's blind, okay. so she can't see his physical right. appearance. I but she you. falls in love with his beautiful, beautiful soul. Well, there you go. And she plays, um, and it's played by Laura Dern. It was her first role. And uh, when Barbara Streisand saw the movie Mask, she asked Peter Bogdanovich, where did you find a blind girl who could act? That's how convincing she was. She fooled Barbara Streisand. there you go. (laughs) So anyway, okay, so uh, our movie this week, we, uh, we are doing the movie episode. And the movie is called Midsummer, and it's uh, from 2019. It's directed by Ari Aster, who is also known for the um, um, Hereditary. Yes. And uh, it's uh, it's produced by Patrick Anderson and Lars Newston. Lars Newston. It stars Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, William Jackson Harper, and Will Powder from. several different things we've seen him in Um, it's a it's this is a movie of uh, you know the thing about this movie well before we go to the art um, it's you know horror movies are usually in dark dingy you know haunted looking places this one takes place in a beautiful field the blue sky and the An green idyllic pastoral village. Like something that looks like paradise to, yes. you know, to most people. So we're going to get right into the plot. It begins with um, when a, da- a young woman named Danny, who is uh, she's a student, Danny Ador. She's a psychology student, and she's trying to get in touch with her her parents because she got a really disturbing email from her very disturbed bipolar sister. Or like a goodbye email, and she can't get in touch with her parents. But little does she know that her sister has just killed the parents and herself for using 
carbon monoxide from the car. And when she finds out, and so meanwhile, before she finds out, we see her boyfriend, Christian, and his friends, and they're talking about how he wants to break up with Danny. How he's not feeling it, you know. He, right. she, she's, um, she, she, you know, she's too needy. She's too this because Danny's kind of, she's, uh, you know, the sister's bipolar and everything. But obviously, there's there's some problems in that family because because Danny's not real real healthy mentally either. Oh, but Christian was but definitely Christian mansplaining is, at parts and stuff, and he is just, and he's he he doesn't want to break up with her because. He might decide that he loves her later. And it's, he's really being pushed by his friend Mark, who is played by Will Poulter. Pa- Will Poulter. Will Poulter. That's how it's pronounced. And Mark is, for lack of a better term, a dick. <laughs> yes. He is the, one of the most, under, um, probably the most unpleasant character in Basically the Basically a movie. ratchet fuckboy. Yeah, he he's like, and he's, he's, he's pushing... For um, for him to break it up, but the, 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 all the whole, he wants to break up with her, but he doesn't. He's kind of. I do like the actor. It. I do like Holter. Oh, plays Will Holter is a great actor. I like, yeah. but he plays it that well. He plays. Him. And it's so funny because he played that little doofus boy in uh, Weirdo Miller so well too. Yeah, yes. And then he plays kind of a dick in the in the Maze Runner movies <laughs> he, too. He really does a good job of being a dick. He, he does a good job of being a dick, but he does a good job of being a doofus too. Yeah, you know. And uh, totally different, totally. Uh, so, um, they're all, with the other friends, which is also Josh, who was a, um, who's a, a student. What, what kind of student is he? He, wasn't he a grad student or a yeah. doctoral student? It's but so weird. He's, he's working he, on some thesis. He's played by William Jackson Harper, who people will know as Chidey, I think, from The Good Place. Yes. Chidey. And uh, the thing about this is, is he's playing a student when he's actually in his 40s. <laughs> you know, but they're all older than, actually, than they're supposed to be. And, um, and then the other one, uh, played by Wilhelm Blomberg, was Pell, who is a Swedish exchange student. Yes. And they're planning a trip to, to Sweden. So these boys think they're going on a beach with these topless girls and they're going to be always these they're going to fuck all these hot Swedish girls about you know they're thinking about you know the stewardesses from the 60s the Swedish stewardesses and the old drive-in movies it's an old stereotype that has been like like this Whatever you years say, ago but like well and, and and when they do land in Stockholm before they get to the the, the village or whatever they do see some of the girls and, and Mark of course and, is you know, all turned on because he does see the idyllic idea of. Yeah, we get into that. We still have a little bit to go. No, no, I know, I know. I'm just saying though, but yeah. And so anyway, um, so what happens is, is you know, Danny finds out about her parents. She's devastated, and she's really taking it hard. I'm not saying when your parent, your sister kills herself and her parents that you're not going to take it hard, but she's really taking it. She's notching it up more levels than normal. Yeah. Well, I mean, what would be normal? I mean, that's not, that's an abnormal situation. It is, but she's showing no self control at all. She's just, and uh, well, he can't break up with her now. 
So a few months later, she's still around, and you know, of course, Mark's treating her like she's this. He, I got. Do you get kind of the impression that Mark might have been kind of into Christian a little bit? Because he's so quick to try to make break them up. Be a little. There's almost a little undertone there, because I wondered. I said, "Well, why is he so, so uh, hell bent to see this relationship end?" The possibility, and you are right because he does overly force that idea of the way the way in which he looks at women and young women. Yeah, he's not. It really has that kind of forced aspect. To yeah, it. like almost like he's trying. He feels like he's got something to prove. Well, Danny finds out about the trip, and and it's Pell that invites her to come along, because Pell looks like he's got a little thing for Danny, doesn't he? Yep. And so she wants she, she she at first she's kind of no, I don't want to, and and Christian's kind of like, well, whatever you want, honey, because he's circularly wishing that she won't come along. And Pell was like, oh, no, no, come along. They'll, they'll enjoy it and everything. So this puts a little bit, a little damper on Mark and And, and, and Pell is a way of friendly, charming people. Yeah. Well, that's how you got them all to agree to go. Exactly. Okay. And we're going to get more on that later. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they go. And you like you said, okay, they arrive in Stockholm. And he sees the beautiful Swedish girls. And he's thinking, ooh, I'm, 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 I'm going like, oh, well, no, no, we're not staying in Stockholm. We're going a little north of Stockholm. Well, I realize it means like miles north in the middle of nowhere. What was it? Hollandsgard or something? What was the name of this town? There were Hollandsgard. Hollandsgard. The village name. The village name. Uh, what was the name of that village? Um, Hollandsgard. 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 God or something. Like yeah, and. They're going there for the midsummer. Sorry to the Swedish people. <laughs> and um, in the, you know, the summertime, it's summer, and they're, they're getting ready to rip, to um, have the summer ritual, which is sort of like a, a, a summer solstice. Does that tell you And the people it? call themselves the Harga, right? Yeah, they call themselves the Harga, and they're a group, and they dress in white robes and these little uh, like canvas shoes. And... They play and the kids are playing and everything just looks just so sweet and so nice and so homey. And they were given mushrooms, hallucinogenic mushrooms. But Danny doesn't want to eat them, so they give her hers in the tea. So, of course, the first one, Mark is complaining. Because Danny don't want to do it, so Christian's trying to be agreeable. He goes, well, I won't do it as long as you do it. And, and, and Mark is like, oh, no, we're all going to do it at the same time, so we're all going to be having the same trip. He's got to be, you know, he's got to be the difficult one. He was. And Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was a difficult one. So they're sitting down, and I'm not feeling anything yet. Are you feeling anything? And then when he lays down, I guess he all of a sudden gets the, uh, <laughs> gets the high, you know, gets, gets the rush. And her, she's have, she's feeling very pleasant, but then she starts seeing hallucinations of her dead sister, with the mask with the carbon monoxide on, and she gets really, really freaked out. And she runs into the, you remember she ran into the shed? Yes. And she saw her sister with the mask on in the shed through the mirror. So she falls asleep, 
she passes out. And she wakes up six hours later and it's still broad daylight. And she's going like, well, how is that true? It was nine o'clock. Well, of course, Mark's coming. Oh, it's nine o'clock and it's still daylight. Well, this is the land of the midnight sun. Yeah, I mean, if you're above the Arctic Circle. Yeah. They, they, uh, that's why, you know, they, but I don't think they're above the Arctic Circle. Or they're close to it. If yeah. you're close to it, it's like just as much. And it's like 9 o'clock and it looks like, it, well, right now, it, it, as we taping this, it's 4.30 p.m. on a summer day. It looks just like right now, where we are right now. Lance should know about this. He's from Alaska. Yeah, Lance is from Alaska. He knows all about the midnight sun. Yes. So, of course, Mark's complaining. Then then, then they're complaining about the sleep. Then he's complaining about the sleeping arrangements. Because they sleep in this dorm type of situation. So, he can't be running around screwing everybody like he thought he was going to be able to do. So, Mark is, like, really being... Uh, Ratchet. Ratchet. And, <laughs> That's the only word I have for. And Josh is writing a thesis. And he decided that one of the reasons why he came was to write and a thesis. And we're starting to get a little annoyed with him as well. Yeah. Because we're like, okay, like you're pushing too much. Yeah, he gets a little pushy. And, um, and, and poor Danny, just, she's just, she's going with the flow, but she's not doing well. No. She's still dealing, processing what she went so, through, and she's trying to enjoy herself. Yeah. So then they meet Simon and Connie, an English couple from London. They were also invited by Ingmar, who was... Oh, yeah, at that time they got to the main part yeah. of the village at that point. And they, he was invited by Ingmar, who was Pell's brother. Yeah. And they're a British couple, and they look like they're having fun, and they're enjoying themselves. And so they... um. They, you know, they all eat a di- they all go to dinner together, and nobody can start eating until it's the time is right. They eat in this big old table outdoors. Almost everything takes place outdoors in this movie. It's almost all outdoors. And um, what was it they served them? At that moment, it wasn't. I don't know if it was so much. Sir, were you talking about the one where the table was in the shape of the old dollar room? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was that was. Remember, you had the. They served like a salad of some kind or something. That looked. Yeah, yeah. That one was that. The whole point of that though had to do. Remember, those elders were sitting at the very. Point, yeah. The point of the table, the, the the last table at the top. So they have this dinner. Everybody eats the dinner. And then they carry these this this elderly man and this elderly woman. They cut their hands and they put they, they put it on the stone, their blood on the stone, and they bring them to this cliff. Yes. And everybody's watching, and the American and British people don't know what's going on. When suddenly the elderly woman jumps to her death and hits her face in a rock. And of course, the two British, everybody's freaking out. But not like Connie. She's really freaking out badly. She's really... And you would think that Danny would have a big problem with that, considering what just happened to her family and everything. And so one of the other ladies explains to him that when you become... That when you're 72 years old, you end your life. So that you don't have to get too much older and in too much pain. You die when you still are healthy and... 
you still could actually have some years left. And apparently the spirit is So strong. do you remember what the, uh, the order went with, how, how they did it? From 18 to, from childhood, birth to 18 was childhood. And then 18... 18 to 25, I think. 36. 18 to 36, weren't they learning? That was the learning, and that was also and the, then thirty. That was also the age for um, and then thirty for procreating. Yeah, procreating, and then thirty six. They become was workers. Workers, and then fifty four to seventy two was, was mentors. elders. Mentors. They were mentors. They were mentors. Yes. And um, I think we got the. They ended. They ended. I think we got it correct. Yeah, they end their lives at seventy two. Everybody does. Yes. There's no. You know. You don't go any further than that because that's when you know you really start having health problems. Yeah. Especially if you lived a healthy lifestyle, at seventy-two, you pretty still much. Y'all, and, you know. and we'll mention a little later on once you get to a different part. We'll mention there is one other type of person. Yeah, we'll mention that in a little bit. Now, the next thing, the old man jumps, but instead of dying, he mangles his leg. And he's screaming in oh, pain. Oh, I know. He's still. And this yeah. is one of the most disturbing parts of the film they come with a mallet and crush his face yeah. and all the time chanting and pain the same pain he's chanting that was like Chernobyl style and <laughs> the mallet it was really really disturbing well Connie and what's the husband's name what's, what's um, Simon, Simon and Connie have had enough they don't want any they, they, they oh, just gosh. don't want to deal with this anymore so they decide they're leaving they said you know we leave and say okay well we'll take it put you in the truck Tomorrow morning, did they say, and bring you to the train station. So anyway, meanwhile, uh, Christian also decides that he wants to write his thesis also, which pisses Josh off because he feels like he's he's stealing his idea. Which is also why Josh then becomes even more pushy, more aggravating. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh starts interviewing him, and they show him their scripture book. What they what they called the book. Do you remember? Ruben Raider. The Ruby Raider. Well, because, and then that goes to the point we want to talk about, there is one other type of person in the thing, uh, and his name is Ruben, and he is an oracle. Yeah. And the re- all oracles, this was interesting, you remember this in the movie, all oracles are actually made, they're actually prescribed, like they force this prescribed incest to happen, mm-hmm. to create. So they, I guess brother and sister is what they call they make a brother and sister literally yeah and to get this child that has this the whatever uh birth defects or whatever and they and it's supposed to be well he had like a real deformed face and through that though they believed that the deities the gods or whatever gave that child special powers to see things and what about the murals on the walls that seem to predict the future those were now. Those were kind of that was enough. Somebody else was kind of. I don't know if that was predicting the future, setting that was the plans of what was set. They were planning to do, but Reuben. But and that might have came from Reuben saying, but Reuben basically is the one who could foresee. Yeah, he had the visions and the paintings, and then, and then some of the learned men would try to um, interpret it. Yeah. And that was that was the writings you saw in the book were the learned men interpreting the paintings. Yeah, and they said they avoid incestuous relationships except in that. Except in that. In that, and it's yeah. only allowed in that. Yes. Now, um, they, they cremate the remains with a fire. You know, they they burn the bodies, 
And they put them in this dead tree that they call the ancestral tree. Yes. With all the ashes. Well, doofus-ass Mark decides he's got to piss and pees on the on the Ratchet. ancestral tree. Which pisses off Ingmar. Remember Ingmar? as a stupid dick. Blah, blah, blah. Screamed at him. Oh. And he's like, well, what did I do? What did I do? What was wrong? He's like being real doofus. He don't realize that these people have customs. And you just did something to desecrate it. They're elders. The way they he really it. was the ugly American. Just go find the damn actual bathroom and ask somebody. Literally. <laughs> That was so dumb. Yeah, I mean, I'll go out in the woods so you know when nobody can see you. But he's pissing in front of God and everybody on the freaking ancestral tree. So also, um, when it's time to, uh, for for Connie and Simon to leave, she comes and she's all packed up and ready, and she's looking for Simon. And they tell, oh, Simon already left. And they said, well, she said, well, why didn't you tell me so we could go together? And they said, well, the truck wasn't big enough for both of you, so they bring in him first. And then we're coming back to get you. And y'all will be together in a little while. <laughs> they were together in a little while. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he's all pissed off. And um, he, he's all pissed off about him pissing on the tree. No pun intended. So they're at dinner the next day. What well, they is, they made, uh, they made meat pies. Remember the meat pies? Yeah. And oh. they even had, they, they, it's almost like they're training Danny to join them or something because they had her help in the kitchen. And Christian's eating his beehive and there's a pubic hair in it. Because, you know, with the meat pies, were, yeah. it was Simon and Well, Connie. that was believed they were trying to, part of that was part of, and that's part of the, they claim the supernatural there was the idea of, by, that was Maja, that was her name, that was her pubic hair in the meat pot mm-hmm. was to get him to like her. Mm. So that was that mysticism. There was a mural of that too of how the you know, Early on, yeah, there was. Yeah. And so so the idea in, in especially in this movie and the movie Yeah, because he's starting a flirtation with this girl. And it does, he does start to, because of that. Yeah, you know? he's starting a flirtation with this girl. What was that the character's name? Maja. 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 So he and she, she's she's what? Looks like she's about sixteen. And so okay. So meanwhile, uh, they haven't. Uh, uh, Pell is really kind of coming on to Danny a lot. Oh, yeah. He's really you can see that he's really after her. And uh, they're eating dinner. They're eating those pies. And one of the women comes and asks Mark to come with her so he thinks she wants to go screw somewhere and we don't see him anymore until Josh and Christian decide they're going to collaborate on the feast they agree but Josh is doing something kind of underhanded he he wakes up while he goes while everybody's sleeping and goes into the the, sa- the sacred room where the the book is, and starts taking pictures with his camera. And in he walks in. Mark walks in. He sees Mark. He goes, "Mark, what the fuck are you doing?" And all of a sudden, he gets bludgeoned. And it turns out it wasn't Mark. It was somebody that had killed Mark, skinned his head, and wore his face as a mask. Yep. 
And so auction. So okay, that's four people that are gone so far that have been that have been murdered so far. And uh, so um, in the beginning of the movie, I forgot there was this big yellow tent. Yellow? No, it was not a tent. It was an actual like they call it, it was a special temple. It looked had. like a tent. But it, it had a tent look, but it was it was actually made of wood. Oh, okay. It was yellow. It was, yeah, like, it was bright, bright, yellow, like bright yellow. So um so doesn't um Pell decide that he's gonna give her some more mushroom they they give mushroom tea to everybody. In a little glass, remember? Yeah. And he has a special glass, one special glass for for Christian and one for her. And they offer her to join the Maypole dance. And this is Maypole ritual where all these girls dance. Well, Christian's is given to him later when he's yeah. sitting down in the crowd. Oh, yeah. She, the, yeah, that's right. You're she right. She gets hers along with all the other participants in the Maypole And she goes to the Maypole they dance. They all get it before. So they. this Maypole dance is geared to where. Whoever is the last woman standing becomes the maypole, the May Queen. The May Queen, yes. And um, she's doing the dance and everything, and then don't they give, uh, they, don't they pull Christian out and give him the his tea while he's still doing the maypole dance, or is yeah, it after she becomes uh, May Queen? That, whatever, it was someone. It was giving him his. She gave him his. She gave him his. And he um, and he's thinking it's gonna be like the strings gonna yeah. be a trip. She's like, no, 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 this is gonna relax you. This is yeah. This, so he's all all loaded. Danny's all loaded doing the maypole dance. She becomes the May Queen because she wants to be the next girl dancing. And what their plan is for for Christian is that he's going to impregnate the virgin Maja. Maja, yeah, the redhead. And because he's a redhead too, so that's why they that is why they chose him. Because he was a redhead too. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and so in the scene that kind of shocked a lot of people, they undress him. He's totally nude. Everything show he shows. Well, remember they also had to give him some that little smoke yeah. to invigorate him up. To yeah, actually to get him. So and then yeah, yeah, they gave him something to get to, to get him. Yeah, and all these women of various ages and various body shapes and are a nude. Totally frontally nude. And so is Christian. He's totally frontally nude. Which is really weird because they objectify in the male in this. It's usually a female that they impregnate with the king or something. But this time they're making the innocent, so in quotes, innocent male impregnate the female cult member. And um, so he is he, he's forced to screw this girl. Saw the force, huh? He's actually... And at first he's kind of into it. He's actually into it. And at first he's kind of into it till, until this woman that's about 80 years old starts grabbing his ass and b- making him pump faster because she's trying to get him to ejaculate. And finally when he ejaculates, he realizes what's just happened and he, he freaks out and he runs outside completely naked and runs from him. And of course they catch up with him. So, meanwhile... Danny sees this. She sees him screwing the other girl. Danny already has emotional problems. And this freaks her out more than I think it should. Because he was showing some... She should have picked up things about him before. And it's really weird because he's doing all this crazy shit to her and lying to her and patronizing her. And she doesn't even flinch. 
Well, but my whole thing is it was kind of, that's the only part that was kind of weird for me was she was at the table when the Maja girl was coming around and all this other stuff. And brushing on him and everything. And, I mean, she didn't see any of this until she actually looks in that, in that uh, you know, and I think they kind of led her to look in there and to see this going on. So she's all freaked out. Oh, but they didn't actually take him away from the table until after she had been pulled away. That's yeah. Right. That's right. So, so, um, so she's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's after she's gone. And she's all freaking out. All the rest of the women, they're doing that same pain, kind of painful moaning that she's doing. Oh, yeah. And to let them know that they are, they, they, they are with her, that they're feeling her pain, too. Yeah. So, <clears throat> as the May Queen, so then they, then they take, after Josh runs away, they catch him. Josh, not Josh. Um, Christian runs away, they take him. And they wind up drugging him. To where it was with drug where they paralyzes him, yeah, and they put him in. Well, they have that court thing it, sort of first yeah. where she has to make. Okay, they've they said they needed nine nine basically yeah. uh, sacrifices, and they got him like in the bathrobe. Just, so they got the can't two move. the two older people. Yeah, they the, went off the they were one. Those are the first two. You also have you have uh, Simon and Connie. Simon and Connie. That's four as well. You also have Josh and, um, and Mark. Mark, that's six. Okay. Then you have the two volunteers. Then you have the two volunteers, Ingmar that's eight. and was it Dan? Or what was his name? Dan or Ian? Well, Ingmar and Dan, I think it was, I can't remember the other. There was two guys. Two guys. Ingmar was one of them. Yeah. And so then the final choice, um, Pele has also been given a special honoration. He has like a, a green yeah. crown. Yeah. Whereas she has the mate, the flower crown he has a green crown mm-hmm. at that point which is why we're starting to believe that they're going to make the two of them partners right. is what we think but um she has to make that choice between uh someone that they deemed from their from their group and christian yeah and she has to pick one of the two to become the ninth sacrifice and which is the most important sacrifice and she picks christian because and it's a woman scorned yes and it would depend yes. on point. Yes. And the woman, the funny thing is, the thing she scorned about, he's almost really being raped in a way. Because when they pushing him and everything and all those other women, that was against his will. Well, so, and she wasn't aware of the, but see, she wasn't necessary, or was she? The thing I, that. She the, wasn't aware of the magic part of it. Yeah, and the thing that makes her angry is the fact that he physically screwed this girl. Not all the way he had been treating her all those years and all that time. She's mad because he screwed this other girl. That's what makes her... That's what makes her go over the edge and be pissed at him and become a woman scorned. When there were so many things before that that she had reason to be angry with him. So what they do is they put him in the body of a dead bear. And they put the rest of the, the sacrifice people. Some of them had flowers in their I eyes. I was actually intrigued by the bear, and I'll tell you why. Because the bear, the bear is in a lot of northern hemisphere cultures, and then we talk about the Ursa Major, Ursa Minor, the Big Dipper, Little Dipper. Yeah. Things. That's the Ursa means bear. Yeah. So I'm, and, they, and people always associate the bear is thought of as this main, um, I don't know what you call it, like this top figure of nature in the woods of, of Europe. 
specifically. Well, he's very high on the food chain, Bears, yeah. you know. So there's this huge reverence for Bears. So I was very intrigued by that uh, concept of that way of looking at Mother yeah. Nature and sacrifice. So they put they put Christian's uh, paralyzed body, par- by those par- paralyzed and drugs, yeah. inside the dead bear. They take the rest of the people that were sacrificed... They sewed him into that bear. Yeah, and supposedly the drugs they had given him was supposed to make him not feel any pain. So the next thing they do after they get everybody in that yellow building that we talked about in the beginning is they start burning it down. And Christian isn't supposed to be feeling any pain. Well, they also remember they gave the volunteers something on the tongue, like this weird... What it was? Uh, oh, the yew tree. It was from the yew tree. Yeah. Yes, they gave him whatever... And, that was and Christian to- wasn't supposed to be feeling any pain either. But once the flames hit his legs, he screams bloody murder. Well, <laughs> those two volunteers scream the hell. Yeah. So they weren't doing anything about the pain for real. No. And so... Um, they wanted to hear the screams. Because you remember, everyone outside was mimicking the, to the screams. And going... We, we close in on... We close in on Danny's face, a close-up of Danny's face, and she looks distraught at first. And then she gets a big old smile. And it's I real. Know. The creepiest smile you ever did. <laughs> well, you know what that means? I mean? Well, well, mentally, she's going off the deep end. But she's become part of the cult now. So, so let's that, been, talk a, bit, a little bit about some of the stuff here. Um, well, let's start, but, with, um, let's start with the writing and directing. Ari Aster, what did you think of him? I thought Ari Aster did a great job. I love He it. has very... He's, his next movie's coming out is a dark comedy. Oh, wonderful. It's, uh, what's it called? Let me see. We're going to find out. Yeah, it's called um, Disappointment Boulevard. I'm not sure what it's about or anything. But his first movie, was Hereditary, was very disturbing, too. And he does have a thing. One of the YouTube videos I listened to about... Uh, one of the YouTube videos I watched about this where they have some people... Almost, well, almost like a podcast. They said it seems like he has some kind of thing with head injuries. Because remember in Her- Heredity, the girls gets decapitated? And in this one, they all people are getting hit on the head all the time. The old people, their heads are smashed. Well, that's our brain. That's that's you know? the center of. It's that psycho spiritual. And so anyway, uh, so um, I thought it was direction was very good. I thought that it was very uh, suspect. You know, for a movie that's two hours and third, almost two hours and thirty minutes, there are very few boring parts. And then, no, the very few. Cinematography, art direction, I thought. Well, cinematography was Well, you have to think of the two together. Art direction and cinematography. Cinematography, yeah, because both were so needed in this movie. was just immaculate. I mean, you this this is the idea of, of the true art form of filmmaking. And there was, a, you know, that big old irony, because a horror movie was always dark. Even, even Hereditary, his first movie. It was yeah. dark. It was the, the the girl gets beheaded on the dark street. The you know everything is happening. Happening. This happens in bright sunshine, like paradise. Bright sunshine, blue skies, green grass. Something no one would be afraid of. Now I wouldn't say this is a huge movie to talk about with hair and makeup, but it is a movie to talk about with costume. Yeah, well, because it was it, it's a cult in in the middle of the wilderness. So there wouldn't be a lot of hair and makeup unless it's 
special effects and type of makeup. The costuming did really well. Now, the from, actor... From, the, from the, the basic costumes they had to the ritual costumes to even doing, like, the May Queen. Oh, my gosh, when she had to walk with that flower, mm-hmm. big old flower. And she's all the flowers everywhere. And Wait, the that beautiful. final thing when she All the, the colors and everything. Now, um... I don't know. Was the actor uh, that played Ruben, was that makeup? Or is that what the actor really looks like? No, I think that was makeup. That was makeup? Ruben. Yeah, well, that's good makeup right there. I think that was. I mean, yeah, the actor doesn't look like... Okay, that. let's talk about some of the performances. Florence yes. Pugh. Excellent. Very good, very good. Jack Rayner. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I mean, he, he really... The, the point was, is, is like, when it finally got to where you could see the terror in his eyes, it was just yeah. this, like, stunned terror because he was so drugged. And, and, he, has, and he has those ice blue eyes. Yeah. That, you know. And uh, William Jackson Harper, he was pretty good, too. He did a great job, yes. With a Vihim Bloomberg grin. Perfect welcoming suite. Yeah. <laughs> the two elderly people... Now, uh, Borg, um, Borg Anderson it played the old man, and he his big uh, his his claim to fame came a little over fifty years ago in the movie called Death in Venice with Dirk Bogard. Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. And Dirk Bogard plays an artist or something. With maybe I can look this up. Uh, where is he? Uh, we'll find Borg Anderson. Um, he he becomes obsessed. With this beautiful, androgynous teenage boy, played by Borg Anderson, who is now elderly. And the death in Venice, uh, it was by Lucino Visconti in 1971. And, um, where is it for movie? I want to see what the movie's about, yeah. It's about the he comes in, in, uh, increasingly, um, He's a writer, I believe. Yeah, he's a famous author, and he's in his early fifties, and he becomes increasingly obsessed with this fifteen-year-old boy, played by Barg Anderson, who plays the old elder. They kill <laughs> off in this one because he's too old to be alive anymore. <laughs> and uh, if you look at him, look at you see this boy, the picture of this boy. Now, if you remember what he looked like as an old mm-hmm. man, you can see it's the same face. Oh yeah. And, uh, I mean, they, those two, their parts weren't really, didn't really require a lot of acting, except for his, because with the broken leg and when he's wrathing in pain, he did a pretty good job on that. Now, uh, oh, God, uh, the two that played, um, uh, Alora Tochia was, uh, was Connie and Archie Mackey was Simon. And they were really, they were pretty good, especially in the for, freak for the part scenes. they had yeah. to play. For the part they had to play. But I gotta give a, a really big shout out to Will Pol- uh, Poulter. He just was, <laughs> he played that dick so well. He, he played that, he uh, you really hated him. You really did. You really hated him. You really didn't want to give, you really, you really, you weren't sorry when he died. When he was killed. No, and that's because he played the role so well. And he well. played the role so well. So it's like, oh, I, he, he's got he's got a shout out. I think he's one of the better performances in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Actually. Oh, he definitely is. He definitely is. So, 
So let's talk about some of the cultural folklore uh, significance. Okay. First off, we do want people to realize that Midsummer is not a reflection on the on no. Midsummer festivals no. in Sweden. No. And this is really the Swedish government and the Swedish people had yeah. an issue with this yeah. uh, kind of deal. So people need to realize if you go to Sweden, if you go to visit, or if you're looking at this or you're talking about this movie, you're eating, realize this is an this is fiction. It's a cult. They're it's cult, an isolated yeah. village. Yeah. And but is this great folk horror? Yes. Yeah. This does everything we expect in folk horror. It takes folklore, it intermingles it with the land, with the people, and yes, it creates this true folk horror. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And it does center around such an important kind of time of year. Yeah. That kind of summer solstice time, that, that mid yes. summertime. And it really does focus My on least time. favorite time of year. Uh, what was beautiful is that there was throughout the movie just from the usage of the runes yeah. to the actual yeah. what looked to be the craft, the Swedish craft work in the building of yeah. the houses. And, and the, the murals, too. And, and the murals, yeah. It was really, really, really well well done. I actually, I don't know if I got to mention it earlier, I really did appreciate having rewatched it, noticing how the table set before with for the elders before they went to go um and there's some significance to the shape of that table it was the othala uh rune which uh-huh. is the rune of heritage and ancestors oh which okay. i thought was very that, and, and that were, was the one done when they were honoring the elders that were about to die they, yes and so i thought that that was a very intriguing um usage there so it really shows Ari Aster as a writer, director. Yeah. Oh my goodness, he really. Well, he's got a big thinks, career ahead of him. That's really only his second about film. Those details and 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 for someone who you know um, has been immersed in the occult, knows people. This may not be my religion, but I have friends where they they deal with Norse mythology and things like this. It's nice to see those little details. Yeah, it's nice to see it. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, and I learned a little bit. I learned from it. That's one of the things I really like. I learned all about those types of cultures and everything without thinking that every every uh, it's all like everything's like that and you know then i sacrificing people and everything. so what was interesting is some of how he used the different characters and the different themes in there with society you know, number nine number nine, oh, nine, nine is always significant nine all on every 90 years yeah. Nines are very interesting because we always talk about 90 as the embodiment yeah. thing nine nine's a very interesting thing uh there was that usage, but just how he used certain characters to convey bigger, wider societal messages. Especially the use of Josh. Let's talk about that for a moment. Josh yeah. is there to do this little thesis, right? Right. Sometimes he's trying to say, maybe pushing your education, what you think you're going to get out of it, isn't as important as the culture that's already there. Yeah, well, you know, he's messing with people's culture. Yeah. And so it really was an interesting... And the thing, you know, Christian was kind of a dick, too. Like, like, like okay, when they thought John, this book was stolen, and then both, what, what's the name, um, Mark and Josh are missing. Well, we don't have anything to do with them. 
Yeah. But it was an interesting message on the idea of culture appropriation. It was so interesting in the way he did it. I mean, we do have to talk about this. He used this in a way to actually get, oh, and nobody might have missed this, but get white people to understand what they are doing by flipping the script a little bit. Yeah. Using this african-american character doing that kind of yeah. stealing cultural appropriation when that is what white people have done to natives to africans to things that same idea of going in and taking yes trying to take something so yeah. that was an interesting note I, I don't know if you did you pick up on that when you were watching it uh the second time not really the first time i know certain things you don't pick up on uh, right away um like I said, we knew all knew Mark was basically the fuck boy that doesn't even consider. So it's that idea of the ugly American. But you know, yeah, he was the ugly American. But the biggest dick was probably Christian. Christian was because looked like he was ready to throw his friends under the bus. Christian symbolizes the kind of person that says, "Oh, I'm going to go immerse myself in this in this world or these things and become a part of it." But all the while, he really only had his own selfish reasons. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like he he was ready to throw uh, Danny under the bus because of peer pressure, pretty much, more than anything. And then he was ready to throw his friends under the bus when he was suspected of stealing the book. Well, we're not associated with them. You came with them, you doofus. Well, that's yeah. the best to think. And, and Danny, ultimately, she's an intriguing character. She's probably socially the most developed on the factor of she's lost everything. She has no family. Yeah. She has no belonging. And this society makes her feel stronger as a woman. Yes. And it a also as a embrace, person. And as a person, it embraces her as belonging to them. And she finds love again. And she finds love. So, great, really good movie. Very, I highly recommend it. Anybody out there who hasn't seen it, sorry about the spoilers, but anybody out there who's seen it, give it a second or even a third look because you get something different out of it every time. Oh, oh, and quickly, so I was going to say, one of the characters was Pell. Uh huh. Pell actually sees the power yeah. in Danny, whereas Christian only saw the weakness. Yeah. Oh, that makes a, that makes that a lot of sense. That is an important note I wanted to make about I him. That. I'm, gl I'm, glad you, I'm glad you put that in because I was really... I, I, I didn't think about that until you just said it. So why do you think she <coughs> wanted to discard Christian at the end? He only saw her as weak. And she wanted to show him that she wasn't. All right. And okay. she did. We got to rate this. We got to rate it. All right. What would you give it? I think out of, out of five... I'm going full five. Out of five shutters, I give it four and a half. That's fair. I gotta give it full five because I the actually only reason why I give it four and a half is that it's a little too long. <sighs> I get that. And you know there's a director's cut that adds thirty minutes to it. That's overkill. I mean I really want to give it like four and three quarters, but I'm just gonna be nice and give it five. I give it four and a half because of the length. And see, I get all the things that certain there were a couple miss of times I it. dozed. I get it, because I like that you're immersed. I get it. That's why I'm giving it a five. So anyway, we highly recommend this film. It's uh, uh, Midsummer, and it's currently on uh, Showtime. Showtime. And so, whether you get that through your Hulu, your Prime, your Apple TV, you get it. It's Showtime. And yeah, it's Showtime, and uh, directed by Ari Aster, who's got who's got a pretty good future, and starring Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, William Jackson Harper, Dehan Blumgren. <laughs> 
Oh, these, these foreign names. Oh, God. And Will Poulter, we really need to learn how to pronounce these names in school more. <laughs> they don't teach us well. They, 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 teach us, they teach us this, this American oh. English phonics, and that's it. So anyway, um, you can follow us on Twitter at A Shutters, on Instagram at Open Shutters Podcast, <coughs> Facebook, uh, the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast, and we have two email addresses. Uh, uh, open shutters at yahoo.com and movie shutters at aol.com. Hey, Lance, why don't you say a good let, Let's thank Lance for his little contribution here. And why don't you say goodbye to everyone? Have a good day, everyone. Have a good day, yeah. So, until next week, and uh, just reminding you again that we did repost the Zach and Addy episode. It didn't. It didn't come through to captivate, so I reposted it, and it's actually getting a lot of a lot of downloads, more than I thought. It, it, that's a popular case. So until next week, when I think we're going to do William Desmond Taylor next week, yes. then we say yeah. So until until next week, enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window unless you're a ratchet fuckboy like Mark. Mark could fall out the window. Yeah, he's, he's a stupid ass. Good night, everyone. Thank you.